This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. There's a reason journalists have been bristling at some of the charges now facing WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. The charges implicate their own profession. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. We spoke yesterday. So the uh, unfortunate fact uh, that you note in a recent op-ed is that once you are making these determinations uh, about methods used to gather information um, and then disseminating that information to the public, you're implicating a lot of fairly standard journalistic methods. So we, you know, we should be careful to separate some of the particular methods here from others. Yes. Uh, but broadly speaking, a lot of the things that he's accused of doing that are considered to be espionage are what reporters do all the time. Good reporters. Yes. Rep- reputable reporters. Let's, you know, let's just use some names like Jim Risen, formerly at the New York Times, now at The Intercept, or um, John Landay at Reuters, or, you know, whoever. Um, and, and this, uh, what I also think is interesting about the indictment is that they name Assange the person. They don't name WikiLeaks. And I didn't get a chance to didn't quite have the space in this Orange County Register uh, op-ed to, to get into all the, the nuances here. But I also thought that targeting him as a person uh, was yet another way to try to backdoor uh, a legal undoing, essentially, of the Pentagon Papers case from 1971. Because if, just to remind our listeners, uh, the injunctions uh, that the Nixon administration sought in that case against the New York Times and the Washington Post were against the corporate entities of uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post. They were not actually against individual journalists or reporters. And I think this this individual targeting of Assange is the other thing that really worries me in terms of the implications for uh, independent journalists, you know, folks that are freelancers, stringers, you know, whatever, who managed to actually get like, let's say, the one of the biggest scoops of their career, or maybe the biggest scoop of their career uh, that happens to involve, uh, you know, government documents. And I should be clear, you know, although they're using the Espionage Act here, the language of the indictment talks about receiving government information to which the recipient is not entitled. And and so they could literally, I think, try to make an argument that if somebody uh, inside the government leaked something that, that simply had a dissemination restriction of, of for official use only, FOUO, um, that they themselves, again, might might be chargeable under the CFAA uh, and, and maybe some other statutes, you know, for transmitting that information. And, and we're talking about, you know, it, it could be something having to do with mistreatment of, of uh, migrant children by, by ICE or CBP. It could be an effort to expose uh, fraud by a contractor uh, working with the Department of Defense or the intelligence community. So that's the other thing, essentially, about how DOJ has now ratcheted this all up that really concerns me. I, I think they're, they're looking to not just undo uh, the Pentagon Papers precedent, but I, I think they're looking to try to criminalize the sharing of almost any kind of, of government information upon which a particular sticker, dissemination restriction, or classification marking has been printed. Okay, so who makes those designations within the government? When we talk about the the, the classified information system that, that most people are familiar with, the, the levels of top secret, secret, and confidential... Uh, that is essentially flowing out of Executive Order 13526, uh, classified information. 
policies and procedures. And that, that executive order has been around for several decades now. It was tweaked a little bit in the Obama administration, but it's pretty much remained the same. And essentially, the head of every agency or department in the executive branch uh, is essentially designated as an original classification authority, which means that uh, he or she um, at the cabinet or agency level or their designees, and it's almost always their designees down in the bureaucracy, are charged with making determinations about what should be classified if we're actually talking about uh, intelligence-related matters or designating, if you're in the Department of Justice, designating something uh, law enforcement sensitive or LES, uh, or making uh, just a basic determination of whether something should be labeled for official use only, FOUO, or this other very obnoxious one that was developed in the last decade called Sensitive But Unclassified, or SBU. Um, and I should indicate my, my personal view is that none of these uh, so-called administrative um, uh, caveats or, or dissemination restrictions really have any legality. I don't believe they're constitutional fundamentally, uh, but the agencies managed to get away with this kind of stuff. When we start talking about you know, in genuine intelligence sources and methods, and what I mean by that is when we start talking about uh, cryptographic techniques, uh, whether for the encryption of information or decryption of information, uh, are certainly things that I believe ought to be protected. I also believe that folks that are actually uh, bona fide human sources uh, for the intelligence community, whether it's it's from my former employer, the Central Intelligence Agency or the Defense Intelligence Agency, et cetera, the identities of those folks absolutely need to be protected for, uh, for as long as they are an active source uh, for the U.S. government. Uh, when you get outside of, of the parameters that I've just described, then I think it, it gets you know, a, lot, a lot grayer and, and in some cases unjustifiable to actually try to classify something. And specifically, when we look at, at the WikiLeaks case and, and what, uh, just one of the examples of what uh, Manning uh, allegedly transmitted to Assange, was this video from 2007 of an Apache helicopter gun crew basically lighting up a whole bunch of civilians, uh, including some, some journalists. They didn't know they were shooting at journalists at the time, I don't think. Uh, but uh, the video was very graphic, um, and the, the pilot and the, uh, and the uh, other occupant of the aircraft were you know, kind of making light uh, of what they were doing at the time. And that, that particular information, uh, that particular video, was designated secret. Well, what it, was, what it was protecting essentially was evidence of a war crime. And under that executive order I cited earlier, 13526, uh, it is expressly forbidden to use the classification system uh, to conceal you know, waste, fraud, abuse, uh, or criminal conduct. And yet that's exactly what they've done. And that, that's why I, I wanted to make sure that I at least got the phrase classified hypocrisy uh, into the title of my op-ed because th this is exactly what we're talking about here. They're... They're going after Assange and WikiLeaks for exposing uh, a war crime. Uh, and it's a war crime that they misused the classification system to conceal. Reporters have not been uh, unanimous in their support for uh, Julian Assange, uh, at least with respect to the chart, these specific kinds of charges mm -hmm. that are against him. But there has been a broad support and a broad sort of understanding that, well, if they're applying this to this guy, uh, there's nothing really legally from them, from the government uh, presenting these kinds of charges against me or some of my colleagues. But at the same time, there have been some reporters who said, well, he's not a real reporter. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that, that seems to me to sort of 
miss the point in a real profound well, way. Well, it, it really does. And and I want to, again, I want to be clear. I, I think when we, when we talk about, you know, providing some specific techniques, hacking techniques to violate passwords, essentially, um, I understand why a lot of journalists would basically say, uh, that's not what we do. Uh, and, and I would argue that that's not what they should be doing necessarily. But by the same token, if a government information system uh, is being used to conceal evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, or criminal conduct, in my judgment, certainly under Executive Order um, uh, 13526, the one I cited earlier, I don't, I don't believe that information should be treated as classified. <laughs> and, I, and I think, and this is one of the points I make in the op-ed, is that uh, there should have been investigations, if not indictments, uh, of people who are responsible for doing exactly that, misusing the classification system to conceal waste, fraud, and abuse. And just kind of take a quick sidebar here on, on another uh, uh, FOIA litigation case that I currently have active in the federal district here in D.C., the National Security Agency has absolutely repeatedly misused the NSA Act of 1959 uh, to conceal waste, fraud, abuse, and in my judgment, criminal conduct uh, from a particular program in the late 1990s and early 2000 periods called Trailblazer. And we now have um, a not quite halfway declassified uh, Department of Defense Inspector General report in which we can point to very specific examples, concrete examples, where they deliberately misuse the system to blank out what the DODIG was saying about you know how bad they had, had messed up in the Trailblazer case, so this is also what really concerns me here is this idea that the government can just selectively decide, well we're going to keep this classified because it doesn't make us look good or actually makes us look like criminals, uh, but when people actually go into the system to expose what we're doing, those are the people we're going to charge, and I think that's exactly the hypocrisy that's at work right here in this case. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in civil liberties and homeland security at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.